you're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, it's Mr. Kevin Dershow. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, it was kind of business as usual for the Flyers, and we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, before we do that, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Derso. Find us everywhere, including sportstalkphilly.com. Uh, all right, so the Flyers went one and two this week. Um, I guess technically more correctly, they went one, one, and one because Carter Hart stole you a point in Vegas. We'll get um, to it. Yeah, but the week started with, quite frankly, a really fun game. Um, Yes and no. And I say yes and no because, and I, I, it's funny, I was talking to a buddy last night who kind of last minute decision said I went down on Monday night, did the assembly room tickets, and... And said, I went down because they were playing, it was Colorado, Colorado. And, and Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon. Wow. And, and I said, and you got four whole minutes of Nathan McKinnon. You know, that you team, know, like, if you Flyers went, have been hurting people this year. <laughs> kind of, but not like, you know what, that team already, like, if you. I, they're if, the walking wounded, I know. Right. And, and we just had this conversation not long ago. Like, if you're the type of person at this point who sits there and says, you know, like, the beauty of the NHL schedule is every team comes to your town once a year. Yep. If you get you to see all got, your superstars. If you got up for Nathan McKinnon's coming, Kale McCarr's coming, it's the defending Stanley Cup champions, you kind of got gypped out of that, not just because McKinnon left, but they were hurting badly. I mean, right. Noval Nachushkin, Arturi Lekkinen got hurt right before. They're, it's not that they're, no, because they were on a regular, like, the goaltending was the kind of business as usual. They didn't start. I guess they've been starting Francois more than they've been starting um, Georgiev. So Georgiev got the start that night yep. for whatever, not for whatever reason. I guess the reason being it's the Flyers. I mean, look at, look at how Vegas handled that too. Vegas didn't start their number one for most no. of the year. And um, the Flyers are at the bo- toward the bottom of the standings, and we expect to see a lot of backups. Sure. That's, That's how it, it works. Was totally, totally fair. Um but you were, they were missing guys, and it's not the same team as last year either, obviously, because all of a sudden, like, those injuries look bigger when there's no Nazem Kadri, there's no Andre Burakovsky anymore. Like, they had to make their decisions based on who they wanted to keep. They've got great players, and don't get me wrong, like, you got flashes of it. Like, Makar had some moments. Did you see how much time he played on Monday? It was he had already played over twenty minutes through two periods, he and I said that's twenty twenty eight fifty three. The kid is a horse. Then I'm going to tell you right now, though. Then they pulled back his minutes at the end, probably because he was over twenty already going to the third. I think, and they probably went whoa, whoa. That's well, a lot I, of time for a Monday plus, night regular season game against the Flyers. It's not that that was what it was. It, they got halfway through the third period, and you're trailing four to one, and it kind of became obvious that it was like, all right, all right. Flyers are winning this game. Let's Peel stable, it back. Stable Everybody's, the horses. Uh, well, not only that, but I think that with McCarr, especially with McCarr, not that he's not a guy who can probably play through some stuff, but they had already lost McKinnon that night. Apparently, McKinnon's injury didn't look good. It was one of those things where you're like, we all know Colorado's coast into a playoff spot. It's just about getting there as healthy as they can. They're the team that, like, do you know how, like, when the Flyers do the injury thing and you're saying, because, like, you're saying they're coasting to a playoff spot. As we talked this morning, they're not in the playoffs. Okay, fair enough. But, like, but, but that's the thing, right? Like, when we sit there and talk about injuries and teams that go through it and you say, oh, the injuries are impacting the results, right? 
Right. The Flyers lean on that constantly, and we sit there and we go, no, you still don't have enough talent even when those guys come back, right? Right. We look at the Colorado injury list and we go, well, this team's clearly better than what they got right now. Oh, yeah. Like, when those guys come back, they'll be fine. Like, like, and Gabe Landeskog's out really long term. Like, that's another big one, yeah. obviously. But but everybody's known that, and they usually can survive things like that when McKinnon's playing and Rantanen's going. And Rantanen played the whole game, obviously. Ended up with um, – we ended up with one. Alex Newhook had two that night. He's another really nice young player, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's I... elevated his role mm-hmm. from the Stanley Cup year, so he's, he's only getting better. And, okay, so they're out of a playoff spot tonight. They also have three games in hand on a lot of teams because I believe – I know one of their games got postponed. They were supposed to play in Nashville, and the, they, they, <laughs> Nashville had a, a bit of a water main situation. Break. Yeah, so they uh, they um lost the game there, or like had a game postponed, so they didn't lose. Obviously, they're still that's going to be made up. They've got like three games on everybody in the playoffs, except for I think like Seattle's got one game more than they do, and and Winnipeg does, and everybody else is two or more. Right. Like they'll make up the points at some point. I think we all know that. It's just one of these things where for right now, yeah, they're out of the playoffs at the moment. It feels weird. But when you look at their injury list and all the guys are missing, and defensively too, by the way, I didn't even mention defensemen that they're missing. They don't have Bowen Byram. They don't have Josh Manson. Like they're they're, they're just battered. And when McKinnon left the ice, everybody just kind of had this this reaction, like another one. Like they can't take much more than what they've got. Like they're really pushing it with who they got to play to ice a roster. And they talked about it on the broadcast, but uh, Val Nachushkin had been injured the previous game, and apparently uh, Jared Bednar talked about kind of seeing the air leave the bench a little bit when they realized they were losing a piece like Nachushkin for the game, and it really kind of affected their play in the game. Yeah. And you have to imagine that something similar happens when uh, a little bit. Nathan freaking McKinnon goes down. Well, that's it because it, because it just gets the vibe of here we go again. I mean, yep. the game before they didn't just lose, you know, one guy. I think that they even had like they had a prospect up who was like I don't it wasn't his NHL debut, but he was playing pretty like it was might have been his first game of the season, and he ends up out the next game and he's on the injured list. Yeah, and you're like, wait a minute, this guy just got called up. What's he out for? And then you see that there's an injury associated with it. Like, there's got to be a vibe of when a player leaves the ice. Here we go again. And then you make it Nathan McKinnon, who, you know, a guy who's in the heart conversation all the time and stuff like that. Like, yeah, you're going to have like that, 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 that's deflating. Yeah. And also, to be fair, uh, no sympathy because A, every team goes through injury problems. Oh, no, no, no. And B, you won the cup last year. So, you know, it's not really something I feel bad for Colorado about because no, and, and, everyone and, deals with it. Sure, and and they're battling right now. Like they haven't won a game since December first against Buffalo. Th- they only have one other win going back to prior to Thanksgiving. Like they they won on a Saturday Saturday against Dallas, and otherwise they've lost like they've lost four in a row, five of six, seven of nine. Like it's backing up on them since they were kind of pushing their way back toward the top of the, that playoff picture. They're kind of, it's not that they're in free fall mode. It's just, they're stuck trying to get through these injuries right now. Right. And I was going to say this hitting at the same time. And, and it, look, they didn't place the game against Philly. Yes. That's kind of one that you sit there and you go, well, they really just didn't have it that night. The injuries are catching. Cause they, even an injury riddled team sometimes can beat the flyers. Sure. 
Absolutely. But they played Boston twice during this four-game stretch. They played the Rangers on Friday night and lost in a shootout. It happens. Like you're not you're not losing right. to lousy teams, and it's catching up to you. And you're losing to playoff teams. Yeah, and they're a good enough, established enough team that like they'll get their bodies back. They'll win fourteen out of sixteen and be fine. Well, do you know what's going to help them? And it, it this is already this stretch has already started, and they've lost the first two of this, but. They're still dealing. Obviously, they're still dealing with certain guys out because right. I, I think the belief was when Lekkonen got hurt that Lekkonen was going to be back relatively soon. Like maybe miss the one game in Philly and then come back. And right. now he's now he's missed three. So the sooner that this can happen, the better for sure. for them because he was he actually oh, no, was yeah. doing, he was doing a really good job of kind of filling the void of if you stuck McKinnon down the middle. Because Landeskog kind of is a hybrid. He can play center, but he can play they wing. Are, they're all just super talented and can do everything. No, they are. But like Lekkonen jumped into the top line, and all of a sudden it was like, you can put him with McKinnon and Rantanen, and it works. Right. And, and that's, have that's just dangerous. as good of a top line. And But then you take him out of the picture, and you're waiting to get, you know, because then your second was you were waiting for Nichushkin to come back so you could play. I don't even know if Newhook was playing on that line per se because I think Newhook was possibly centering the third line. Yeah, he's been in the bottom him up Yep. Because of it. And he filled in pretty well, all things considered. I mean, you got, you know, Absolutely. Same, same thing like Comfort's been playing tip, top, top six minutes. He's usually a third liner, but he's had to play the top six. It's, it's just the way it goes. And for the most part, for leading up to that game, they were doing a really good job of kind of treading water until, you know, now McKinnon's out and it's like, okay, you know, so, but they're going to start and it starts on Tuesday when they play the Flyers again, they're going to have five games at home in a row. And sometimes being at home and being able to practice when you're banged up or being able to not practice, (laughs) well, not practice, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that when everybody's right there, like you can't really take a road trip and they were finishing up a four game trip in Philly when McKinnon got hurt. Right. And it's like when you can take like when you don't have to take a road trip and you can just stay at home and kind of feel out, is this guy getting close? Okay, maybe we can get him back. Is this guy getting close? Okay. Well your coaches get to come spend some time with your injured players who typically and go you, to the city where they're, you know, playing and, and to get treatment. And they're just there. Like yeah. instead of being you know, they're not doing some East Coast trip where all of a sudden it's like, well, if Lekkanen or Nachushkin were able to be ready at some point, we'll fly, fly them out. Them out. Right? It's, no, it's there. Are, everybody's home. They only they only have, and this is not a bad trip either. They have two road games that are split by the like holiday break. Okay, leading up to as well, and then they're home through New Year's. They don't go on the road for an extended time period until the like early like the, the end of the first week of January. That's a good opportunity for the Colorado Avalanche to kind of. And they're going to have back to, on the rails. And I'm going to tell you, as, as this homestand goes on, they're going to have opportunities to play teams that they can beat. Like This is the make-or-break stretch for their cup defense season. This is if they fold and go 2-12 and 12 here. I don't See, I don't feel that way. Like, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of, yes, you got to make the playoffs, obviously, to get there. But I don't feel like I'm nervous about them for where they well, are no, right I'm, now. I'm not either. I just think this next upcoming stretch of games will kind of determine but if they're, they're going to turn the ship around and make the playoffs and try to defend the title. Or if they're going to be yeah. one of those teams that just kind of 
crash the bed the year after they win. But they're a team that could kind of like sneak their way in or don't have to be one of the top three in their division for me. They could just horse. They could just run for me to just for me to still think that they're going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Like I'm not sitting here looking at where they are and going, well, gee, you know, and and, well, here's another thing, too, by the way, we're looking at it like they're two points out of a playoff spot because the wild card says so. And that's the truth. It's also in their division. Yes, they're two points out of third place in the division. Because the Central's not very good this year. No. I mean, you got two teams that are pulling away as like the front runners of that. And then the rest are borderline not making the playoffs. The Pacific has turned out to be like much more loaded in terms of. And I think that's because you've got one big surprise and just others that are taking over because I think we gave, we maybe like at the beginning of the year gave the Central more credit. And thought, oh, this team's going to be there because they're always there. This team's going to be there. It feels like they're always there. And, and then we all thought like, the Jets would suck, by the way. And guess who was leading the Central? I had doubts about Vegas because of their oh, goaltending. I, oh, I, 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 wor- I worried about their goaltending. I, I knew, you know, I know about the players. I get it. I had doubts about Vegas. I like, like, I thought Vegas would be much closer to the wild card spot than top of the division. That's that's fair. I definitely could have had them a little further down in the division. I just, think, I did not think they were division leading material. I thought that they would be a wild card ish team during this stretch of the season, and then as soon as. Uh, Laurent Perswat got back and their their goaltending kind of turned around that they would kind of go back to be in Vegas and then Logan Thompson stepped in right and was just phenomenal well, and I mean, Aiden Hill has been stellar as a you know kind of a 1B tandem guy like, yeah they've Vegas I'm extraordinarily jealous of Vegas they had mm-hmm. one year where they kind of missed the playoffs and every other year has just been they're a really good team ridiculousness um I mean, like, if I look at, like, here's the thing, too, because you said you, th- you said the thing about Winnipeg, which is true. We did think that. Yeah, if I told you before the season that on December 11th, let's, well, and let's Winnipeg be would be leading the division, well, you and would let, not and, have believed me. Well, and let's be fair. I liked Dallas as a playoff team coming in. I did, and because I knew they were an up-and-coming team, I did not have division, near division leading no. in my mind. No, and I like <laughs> Dallas, and I think... But, but I think we're seeing what the potential always was, right? Like, they've got a star scorer. They've got a star goaltender. They've got a star defenseman who's a cornerstone. Hey, are you going me- to mention Jason Robertson? Because the star what, scorer is obviously Rope Hintz, right? No, the star scorer is Robertson. But Rope Hintz is a very good, stable – like, Rope Hintz becomes the very stable two-way centerman who you just love to have. Yes. They – I, I know and, I've and, said and this he, before. And he's got more scoring talent than most two-way centers. I know I've said this before, but they are doing an incredible job of transitioning their core players on the fly. Like yeah, they, they, the Jamie Benz and the Tyler Sagans. Ben and Sagan on the lineup. Ben and Sagan are gracefully aging and sliding down the lineup, and still putting up great performances. While the young kids, Hints and Robertson, are just taking the world by storm. Sure, Jason Robertson. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna touch on some top NHL performers later and Jason Robertson's name will come back up. Let's just say that. Now since last week he's no longer the league leader in goals, but no. But kind of to be expected in a way when you look at who he's competing with, but you, he's still number 2, he's still at 23. His team has played 28 games. Stupid. We got a 50 goal scorer on our hands here. Easy. But like I don't know if anybody coming into this year was saying that. 
Right. And we'll get into that. Let's. We got to put a pin in that. We'll and, come and, back and, to that on the second half one, of the show. I'm making one more note. Okay. Pinning, and oh, by the way, second round pick, Jason mm. Robertson. Not, like everybody mm-hmm. in the league passing on this guy, and he turns out to be a stud. Yep. Um. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get we'll, we'll get into we'll get lower. Back. We're getting into low draft picks later. Don't you worry. Back back to the Philadelphia Flyers. Here, speaking yes, of speaking of draft picks, um, that is about the only thing the Philadelphia Flyers are interested in these days. Uh, so we lost two or three more. The uh, two of the three games played this week. Right. So that we're taking it back to. So the Colorado game was what it was. Like I said, I think if you went to that game, you kind of felt a little. Um, maybe a little robbed of what you go to see because okay. of the fact that you're, you know, if you're, if you're there to see stars for the defending Stanley cup champions, you kind of didn't get the team that is that like, you got a B team and it, and it showed like they're not as formidable. Like they scored a goal three minutes into the game, four minutes into the game on a power play. And McKinnon gets the secondary McCarr took a shot that was deflected by new hook. And you just thought, okay, this is the way it's going to go tonight. And then, McKinnon was gone by the middle of the first period and not able to return. And you're like, oh, great. Okay. Like, and as soon as they took him off the ice, like the pregame discussion, especially on when it came to the power play, was all about, well, you can't just focus on McCarr. Yeah, everybody loves to because – and why not? But you can't just key in on him. They got other guys. And then you took McKinnon off the power play because he's not able to play. And it's one less guy to focus on. McCarr kind of becomes – very like not that he isn't on a normal circumstance, but he really becomes the quarterback of it at that point. And the weaponry around him, like if you're if you're doing the quarterback reference and relating it to football, the weaponry around him is not quite as formidable. So you're sitting there going, Well, where do I go now? You pretty much take the pass to Ranton in a way and cover the front of the net, and you're defending their power play way better. And that's kind of what happened. Like McKinnon, when McKinnon is flanked on that left side. Then you can't. You have to watch him. But Brantnin's on the right side, and then they put down the middle. I think it was for this game. It was Newhook and Comfer. But like you know, you know, it's more. It's different than that on normal right. circumstances. But they just go like that down the middle, and you're sitting there going because I think actually, believe it or not, I think Brantnin usually plays like more of a bumper role than he does a flank role. And yeah. but they, they they didn't have any other. They option. just needed to do what they needed to do. Well, because I think I think typically they like. Um, Nishushkin on the right side, but when he's unavailable, you got to start shuffling, you know, the rest of your cards and try to figure out where you're going to go with it. And that that's what it turned into. And it was, you know, so the game was as expected. Um, you kind of got a lot of the usual suspects when it came to, to an extent, the usual suspects, but not really. I mean, like these goals were very opportunistic kind of goals. I mean, Travis Anheim scores kind of walks into one, Really good goal because he took advantage of his opportunity, used a screen. The uh, the Tanner Lazinski goal is one that we love to see, yeah. not in terms of the player scoring it, but when you get an opportunity like Joel Farabee had off a of rush, you don't have much of an angle. It never hurts to go far pad and play for the rebound, and he did, and Lazinski was right there. Yep. So good for good for him. Great hockey IQ out of Joel Farabee there. And then they and then the two, you know, they did something as a team that they haven't been able to do much in recent games and that Colorado wasn't able to do because Colorado, I just mentioned about, you know, once you took McKinnon off of that power play, they scored on their first power play of the game, then got four more and didn't score. Flyers went two for three. 
So when yeah. you take advantage of your power plays, you build up a lead. And it was, you know, everybody who we kind of talked about that makes the power play better. Tony D'Angelo scores kind of kind of a weird one, too, by the way. It was kind of through and again, through a screen, kind of a little kind of tucked itself in. And then Tippett's goal was playing to the boards. Owen yep. Tippett gets a bounce. Love that was it. Cr- like, I can't tell how intentional that was. I think oh Scott Lawton knew what he was doing because he's been playing there long enough to know how those boards know how react. Those boards so, work. That's fair. So he I think he knew what he was doing. Good veteran and, move. Yeah, and so like you know and, and all right, so that puts the Flyers up four one. When Miko Rantanen scores with two thirteen left, you absolutely thought they were losing the game, right? I because I sure did. I didn't think it at that point because that that goal happens. And I'm trying, like, I'm in the process of, because there's two and a half, like, two minutes, 15 seconds left or something, right? Yeah. I'm working on the story a little bit because it's 4-1. I'm, I'm trying to get I'm, as many. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get this article as ready as it can be before the game actually ends. And, and I before I, I, well, before I disappear for 30 minutes to go downstairs, too, because that's the other angle of it. And he scores, and the way he scored, by kind of splitting four defensemen or four defenders, you go, Uh-oh. all right, little, no, but you go, all right, somebody made a play. It's kind of late in the game. You had a moment. It's okay. And then you start watching and within the next minute they scored again. And I'm getting ready for Like I have, I'm now my hand is getting closer to the delete. Backspace, delete, delete. backspace, backspace, backspace. Uh-huh. I texted closer. when Alex Newhook scored with a minute 37 or whatever it was left. I texted my wife to turn on the Flyers game. They're in the middle of blowing a 4-1 lead. <laughs> I sure did. Yeah, no, I believe you. Because it would have been hilarious. Well, because at that point in time, they still when they still need two with 2.13 left, you're still thinking it's a long way But back. When, they, when they need one with more than a, a minute with and a half left. One with 1.37 left, and you're like, yeah, this is possible. Ooh, tug collar. Yeah, this is going to get dicey. And then, you know. And then Travis Konechny seals it, and he needed that one real bad. So yeah, um, and he, that was because he had just he had come back not too long before from missing a couple of games, and yeah, so they take care of business. They get what they get done, what they needed to get done, and okay. Yeah. So two power play goals against the Colorado Avalanche. Yep, they start the game against Washington with a Kevin Hayes power play goal. Yeah, no, and towards was, the end of the first period, but they played like you can't take away the fact that. They played a really, really good first period against Washington. Yeah. And Washington's kind of one of those teams right now that similarly has gone through some injuries. They've been, you know, they've been battered. That team on that game, up until we got to the later stages of the third period, by the way, that team's puck management was atrocious. Oh, yeah. Like, for a team that's got guys that you know are better than what the Flyers have, they were managing the puck terribly. And I, listen, I feel like you need to give – like, there's credit that goes to the Flyers for that because they created some of that. Sure. Like, they, they checked really hard. They were given that eff- – like, the effort that everybody's talking about. I think they it was all a those- big effort game. It definitely yeah. was. Well, and I think I think part of that is because of the way that they lost a couple weeks before in Washington. Like, yep. this is a team that prolonged your losing streak. You were right there. In your mind, you know you can beat this team. Oh, yeah. You hung in there with them. You got it to overtime. You were two minutes away from winning the game in regulation. You're sitting there going, we can beat this team. And to their credit, they were once again in that position because this wasn't score a power play goal and take a one nothing lead and play a really good first period. They gave up the power play goal, which I think was the fourth power play that 
Washington had had or something. Something like that. It was. They had was a lot. Wild. They kept giving power plays. They took three penalties in the first period and then immediately took another one and finally gave up a goal. Um, And then, you know, that just carries over. Like Washington got back kind of into it in the second period because they outshot them 12 to eight. But realistically, if we're correct about this and being, you know, as, as factual as we can, the Flyers probably had the better third period. Yeah. And it's but but when you're when you're one goal away from winning or losing, it just takes somebody, you know, and, and this kind of comes back to as like we're going to shift to the next tab that we have that kind of indicates this because we'll go over a lot of this. But the, the quote after the game was we don't make enough plays. And that's the truth of it. They don't make enough plays to c- overcome stuff like that. The play that Dylan Strome makes to score the winning goal is a nice deflection, a really nice cutting through the slot, get a stick on it, change pretty it little play. Yeah. Yep. And that's how you that's how you make a play that wins a game. Yep. That's what it is. And then we can get into all the stuff at the end. Like now I'm not talking about what happened after the second one, but like it's a two one game. It's a two one game. They make it a 4-1 game because of empty net goals. They've got one of the best empty net goal scores in in history. OV scores number 794 and 795 into the empty net. <laughs> well, so I was thoroughly convinced as the game, especially as the game went on, he's sitting on 793 coming in. And and all, for all the talk that we had previously about, well, what if this is like a chance at what 800? What if this is 800, right? And, and he's about to go through this game and get nothing. And you're going... Wow. Okay. He's stuck on 793. If he's still stuck on, like, I honestly started to look ahead because I think, again, it's like another 14 games till when they're back or something or when they play so again. You start and looking at that game. Well, right. well, I start looking at that because then you're sitting there going, if he only goes one, like, one get goal every other drought. game. Right. But, like, a goal every other game, which he kind of is at that pace anyway. Right. You're like, is it like, I, and I wasn't thinking about it from 800. Now I'm sitting there going, well, if he's stuck on 793, 802 is probably in play. Gordy's absolutely, and then you're play. then you're pa- then you're talking about pass to second. I'll take that as a history making moment. That'd be you cool. Know. I mean, well, and you would <clears throat> is that game in Philadelphia? The next one, the next one, yes. Oh, so you'd be in the building for it too, which sure. I know like, that you would appreciate. They come back. They come back in basically exactly a month from today. You know, it's so January 11th is when they'll be back, and you know that you have that natural break built in. Um, and I'm looking like just to look at their schedule. They have Washington plays four times this week, including the Sunday that we're talking. So do the um, Flyers. Three, three times leading up to the break. They come out of the break. They play three more times. They've got a week with three more and then, a, and then another Sunday game in early January. And then that's when the game comes up. So that's, Flyers play a very, very similar schedule. It's like one less game in that first week of January. Right. So there's so there are 14 games right now that separate. It was so it was 15 total because they played Seattle on Friday. So it was 15 between the two games against Philly. Now it's 14. It's 14, and we're gonna get into where his totals are at because right. now it feels a little less likely. But he's you know the the key is do you hit a drought? And right now because of how hurt they are because. You don't have Nick Backstrom. You don't have Tom Wilson. You don't have, you know, you don't have guys like that. While you're missing guys like that, when you're going to go and play, like they're going to play Winnipeg, tough team, not giving up a lot of goals right now. Dallas is on the schedule. Toronto's on the schedule. Winnipeg again, the Rangers. 
you know, then you've got some teams that he might be able to score against. He loves scoring against Winnipeg, though. That's a stat we talked about in the group chat. Yeah, but like I'm saying right now, right now, <laughs> Winnipeg's know. got one of the best goalies in the game. That's that is what fair. I'm talking about. All right. One more game and then we'll um, we'll start hitting our around the league stuff, which well, will, yeah, one more which game will include a little bit more of a hit on Ovi. Sure. So uh, Vegas game. Vegas game Friday night. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Okay. And it's something I don't think it's a very hot take. Carter Hart stole you another point. Right. Well, and uh, like, if nothing else, because I was thinking about this, this fuels your argument of like why to trade. To trade At least play him less. Like, if Felix Sandstrom plays in that game, they lose that game 100%. Well, full disclosure, I thought Sandstrom was getting Wednesday against Washington because I felt because uh, he, like, Sandstrom didn't get a game over the entire five game homestand. In fact, I'm going to have to go and look up the last time that San- maybe Sandstrom plays again in, in Arizona on Sunday night, which we're obviously recording before. But like maybe that's where you give him a game. I don't know. Sandstrom has played eight games this year total and has not played since the losing the last game of the losing streak hmm. on November 26th. So he has gone now two weeks minimum since playing a game. It's been Carter Hart the entire time. Uh, and it there's always. Been- and there's always a possibility he's got something small and nagging going on that, like, he could play if they need him to, but they don't want to push him in a start type of thing. Nah, I don't feel like that's ca- – you, you know don't what? Think so? Because if if it was the case, we wouldn't need to ask. That's fair. Like, we would need to keep asking, well, who's the starter, who's the starter, because I think, if nothing else, people are waiting to find out when that game comes up where it's like, well, when's Carter getting a break? Like, they've played every other – like, quite literally – the last time that Sandstrom played was he got time in both of those games because they pulled Hart early in the Pittsburgh game. And then they, they started Sandstrom in the Islander game on the road that was 10. And then he hasn't started a game since, and they've played six. So Hart's got six starts in a row. Well, and they've played every other day. If Carter's in a rhythm, and at home you're not really traveling too much. I know he started in Vegas too. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you know, maybe things are a little easier for him, and he wants to play some games and get in a little more of a groove. And I mean, that's borne out by the fact that we saw him play a stellar hockey game in Vegas. Right. I know. And I get that. Like they're just, it just feels to me like you can't just wait for the back to backs and say, that's when we're going to play this guy. Like I got to throw him in there at some point because like, they don't have another back to back for nearly two weeks. I don't think like you can't let nearly a month go by before he plays another game. I think you've got to get him into maybe this Arizona game just to get him into a game. Just to get him a game. And then I, look, you know, if, and I if don't you disagree. Ride, if you want to ride Carter Hart from there and say Colorado, New Jersey, Rangers, be my guest. That's every other day. He can handle the workload. That's fine. It's just you can't keep you, – you can't run him out there after running him out there for six straight. Turn that into 11 straight. Say, sure, you're going to get to start in Toronto in that weird afternoon game that's coming up. And then finally hand the reins of like, hell, they could even probably work it out where they could start Hart in both games because there's enough of a gap. Right. Two o'clock start to a 730 start on the oh, road. Yeah. Like I, I th- could do that. And I just don't know if that's good. Like to me, I'm sorry. I don't know what that benefit that has to have a goaltender like Felix Sandstrom, who is supposedly good enough to be your backup. You got to play him. I wonder how much of it is it's not so much about Felix Anstrom as it is as you're managing Carter Hart. And if Carter Hart wants to play, Carter Hart's going to play type of thing. And not not so much that he's like demanding it, but as long as he feels good and feels comfortable starting the next game, they're going to let it ride. 
And like, I'm again, I'm not saying that's the correct decision. I just, I wonder if that's where they are at. Yeah, because I don't know. I don't know. Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, get this kid mad at you. Well, I don't, th- and I don't think he is in any way. Shape no, I agree. There's no reason for him to be. What 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 I'm trying to get at is is that like Felix Sandstrom got those two appearances. He started the game in Washington on on November 23rd. Before that, his last start was on the back end of a back to back over a weekend in mid November when he started he started the game against Dallas, and then he got he had gotten the win against St Louis. But that's it. Like you, to me, you. I don't want to have a goalie who, at that point, you turn around and you say, "Okay, after starting three games in a span of like six or something, from November thirteenth through November twenty sixth, now take a month off. (laughs) Right now, sit there for for a month. So Carter Hart's contract is up after next season. Okay, which means that he can negotiate this summer. But it also means that he's got a year and a half left, under $4 million, Okay. with team control. I mean, I can't even think about contracts moving forward because, A, I don't know who's going to be negotiating. Them All I'm be- saying is if Chuck Fletcher's not here anymore, and they do decide to go rebuild, Carter Hart's very tradable. Here's the and, problem. And you get a monstrous haul there, for him. There, I don't know about that right now, and I'll tell you why. No, I'll, no, I'll tell you why. Because right now, until they clear up the Hockey Canada stuff, people are not as interested, and it's the truth. <sighs> That's fair. That's I forgot he was on that team. Because that because, is fair. Because we don't have answers, and teams are very. We just are very saw hesitant, um, regardless. Of, it's because it's regardless of talent. Ottawa Senator didn't. Alex Formanton um, yep. did Couldn't not sign. Well, right, and did not sign before the December 1st uh, deadline for RFAs. He is not eligible to compete in the NHL this year. Um, if he wants to compete next year, he'll have to sign a contract, obviously. Um, he is also one of the players that has not made a statement regarding the Hockey Canada situation. Right, Most I'm- of that team has come out and said, hey, it wasn't me. Uh, he has not made a statement. Right, and and kind of in a way, Carter Hart really hasn't much either. Like I think he made a statement through his agent. Uh, he he did the standard of what all the other players or most of the other players on that team. Right, did. like in other words, I think his representation, who represents more than just him on that team, kind of issued a big blanket statement about like my players were not none of my players are involved. Right, but th- but we don't know the answers, and there's stuff that can come out. And right Valid. now, and, and and right now, until it's cleared up, because it was a point that I had even forgotten about, and I think Charlie O'Connor tweeted something about it. I, I, and, I forgot he was point, on that team. And at that point, I went, "That's a valid point." Didn't even remember like that. Kind of it's hanging over everybody's head for right now, because for the most part, there hasn't been any story on it. And 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 and, and, and yet, like the funny part is, is that. I, I think like I know about the like the shadow that's cast over Hockey Canada and kind of all that stuff right now. I wasn't thinking about the members of that team specifically in the moment, kind oh, of. Oh yeah, no, it's already been affecting players and and will be over the next couple. No, of I know. Years. Like what I'm what I, what I mean when I say this is that like his World Juniors is going to start really soon, and it's almost like it's lost its luster to an extent because it's like 
well, Hockey Canada is still in all this stuff, and it's you know they're still like kind of a mess. So that like that we don't have answers to, and we really need to get answers to, and all Kel, that. Kale McCarr also on that team, by the way. But he was factually he was factually out of state when the incident occurred. Correct, and he had way more of a backstory and way more of yes. a clearance. Like there are straight certain, up alibi. There are certain players who gave enough evidence and that said C- enough things. Certain players can, were like at events in other countries or like playing yeah. games, play like things that you can track and see that they were literally there and not at this. Uh, well, because, because well, party. well, because I th- I thought that the, one of the biggest identifiers of the whole thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong from reading this, but was if they were a college player, they were not involved because it had something to do with the college age thing. So it, it was, happened. It was Canadian junior players is what I thought it, it was. It happened at an event after the tournament, and right. it was um, a tournament that college age or college players were not at. It was like a, the gala event was. None of the NCAA players were there. Okay. So that's part of the reason Kale McCarr was cleared very quickly. Exactly. So it focuses now on the – or the bigger focus was on the junior players, not the – College age players. So Correct. if you so so McCarr is golden at this yeah. point. Like, no, he is literally you can go clear. Ahead and yeah, you can go ahead yes. and continue to like him all you want. The Colorado Avalanche have no regrets about signing that contract for him. Um, no, I won, and 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 not that you're looking to move him, but no. Okay, circling all the way back to this Vegas game. I don't know how we went this far off the rails here. Because we were talking about you were talking about Carter Hart and his trade That's value. That's and fair. That, That's and fair. I and I just had to pump the brakes for you on that because you're right. As much like. Listen, if there was ever a game that fuels your argument against everything else that you talk about with that, this was it. Because he made two incredible saves toward the end of regulation. The one with the stick on Carrier was insane. And then he had another one where he went cross crease and got one that sure looked like it was going to be a goal. Because the play set up the right way. Oh, yeah. So I got a couple things to say about the rest of the game beyond that. Number one, this team is terrible in overtime. Oh, yeah. And yet... It tur- turns out when you go three on three and you go to the skill mode, the Flyers and I know kind of struggle. And I know it's an obvious statement. To be honest, that was the best overtime they've played because they had five more chances than Vegas did. Vegas got... Vegas it lasted only, more than three whole minutes. No, Worse than that was is Vegas had nothing for that entire three minutes leading up to. Barely had possession. And the first chance that they get with an odd man rush or a breakaway or whatever, it's in the back of the net. It's as predictable as anything. And that's part of the problem with struggling in overtime. Flyers hockey, baby. The other part of it was that, like, just this concept, like, yeah, they're a terrible team in overtime. Like, and I get that. But just the fact that once again, like, and this is really where the whole thing ties together is the offensive side of things. And and I'm hoping people read this as no offense, not no offense, even though it's, it's both. both. Um, <laughs> Check out our uh, YouTube channel for the for our on-screen graphics. <laughs> because the goal wasn't even good, the one that they did score. Like, it's behind the net. It's a turnover. Quick throw it on goal. It hits a pad and goes in. Like, yep. So I did, you know, as I, as I tend to do, I did some number crunching for you because that's what we like on this show. We like having numbers that back up what we're talking about. Yeah. For but I like I'm going to do this in the way that because you maybe, you know, maybe you don't. So let's just go off of this. 
So the team played eight games in October, and they've now played 19 going into the Sunday game against Arizona. They've played 19 in November slash December. Yeah. In the eight games in October, do you have any idea how, and I'll take either answer here, either how many total goals they scored or how many goals per game they averaged? It was like three goals a game, wasn't it? That's exactly what it was. Yeah. They scored 24 total goals, three per game. Now, if I'm being even more technical about it, I took away the one empty netter they had against New Jersey in the opener. The okay. only one they scored in October. Hey, remember when the Flyers beat New Jersey? Okay. Yeah, I know. And and got an average of with 23 goals without empty netters. 2.89. 2.88. Exactly. Yeah. Which is still okay. Like, because let's let's remember something about the games in October. That includes a shutout loss to San Jose. It includes a couple of closer games that were a little bit more low scoring. They want a couple. You got to remember, they want a couple of three, one, three, two. One of the games, you know, I, I took their highest goal output of this, of the thing and dropped it by a goal because of the empty netter. So that's more like a four, you know, that kind of stuff. So, okay, fine. How many goals do you think they've scored in the 19 games since then in November and December total? Oh man. Or, or what do you think the goals per game is? Is it the same number of total goals? No, they've scored okay. more in 19 games than 24. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll say 31. It's higher than that. Okay. What is it? 42. Okay. I'm but legitimately take, stunned. But if you take away empty net goals, it's 40. Okay. So then it made you closer. That's an average of 2.21 per game with the 42, 2.11 per game with, with, with the, without the empty netters. When you're averaging three goals per game or 2.88 when you take away the empty net, the one empty netter, that's sometimes how you can also get a 5-2-1 record. That's fair. When, when you average just north of two goals per game, you get a 4-10-5 record. And I'm going to make it worse for you, and I didn't write this one down, but I already know how to do that, like to get the number I want to. I can take away out of the 19 games that I just mentioned from November, December, I can take away two total games. St. Louis and Colorado. Exactly. Yes. And drop the entire total goal total by 10. Yep. Does that drop it under two? That's still, yep, because there's still 17 games left to go over, 32 total goals in the other yep. 17. It's now all of a sudden 1.88 per game. You're so outside not of going two little to win games. No. By scoring one to two goals a night. And it's why it doesn't I've matter come, how good Carter Hart is. But that's why I've come up with the whole time. Like if I'm sitting there watching and it didn't happen against the, like it didn't happen in the Washington game or whatever, but over the course of the homestand, when I'm there watching them play Tampa and Tampa gets a third, like gets their third goal with four seconds left in the second period, game's over. They're not oh, scoring yeah. three. And no. it has nothing to do with the fact that they're down three nothing. They could have been down three one or three two. And it's like, well, that's kind of the end of that. That they're not they went down the fourth goal. They need to win the game. Like, like here's a perfect one. They went. They were down. Um, they were tied one one against the Devils last Saturday. After two periods, and early in the third, they gave up two goals really quick, and it was three one. And at three one, you went game over. Yep. And if Arizona jumps out to a quick three nothing lead tonight, game over. <laughs> 
It very well could be. And uh, I I did note it there. Uh, we are recording Sunday morning. We're not obviously talking about the Arizona game Sunday night. We will nope. talk about that on next week's show. Yep. And then we only have like, and then we got a little bit of a break coming up after that because we're going to do the holiday break. Thing we too. do. We are going to take a Christmas break. Um. All right. So let's stop talking about this team. But that's why I'm saying, like, when you when you can't score goals, and that's their big problem, and it goes back to the press conference that I was talking about. From like, they don't make yep. enough plays. And it's the truth. You don't make enough plays because you don't have the talent. And that's the thing. Like, as we get into, like, this is the, here's your transition to the rest of the league, by the way. When you start to look at the other teams at the bottom of the standings, does every other team that's below them in the standings right now have a player that you sit there and you go, that guy can take over a game. That guy's good for, that guy might score two goals on a given night. Columbus just here. Here you go. Let's pull this game up because this is a game that happened against Columbus. Columbus scored four goals in a game where they gave up nine. They lost t- terribly. But yes. Patrick Line had two. Yep. They got a guy who can go out there and then give you two goals on a night when the rest of the team's lousy. So since you did mention Columbus, I do feel the need, and we don't have a tab for it. Uh, I do feel the need to mention Jake Voracek. Oh um, yeah, that's it. Yes, it is. It is looking. Like Jake Voracek's career may be coming to an end. Um, he suffered a concussion approximately six weeks ago at this point, and it's looking like he might not ever get to put on the skates again. And um, there's there's a lot of stuff to sort out with that in the next few months because yeah, everything everything is testing and going through possible treatment and, and all ev- that. Every head injury is different. Sure. Well, it is, but I, when but but when you're no, but when you're a player like Voracek who can come out in a press conference and tell people immediately, yeah. I've had seven or eight of these in my career. You're getting like, like you're starting to tread into Lindros territory. Guys, who the more it happens, the worse it gets for you. The wor- the longer the recovery is, it becomes a problem. And his career very mel- very well may be over at this point. I, if- He's done for the year, probably at the very least, and that yeah. that's the first step, and we'll see where it goes from there. But it's quite, been, you know, quite it's quite a story. We obviously feel awful for him because, yeah. you know, he like on top of being like, I know that he was a polarizing player, especially towards the toward end, the yeah. end yeah. here, but he was a good player here for a lot of years, and Jake Voracek is a was Flyers a, Hall of Famer, and he was a great guy. Yep. First I'm, and foremost, he's a great guy, yep. and this is this is a real shame for him that this is the way. Like nobody wants to be told when they have to stop. Yep. Um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I watch uh, the occasional UFC fight, and uh, there's kind of a a general rule of thumb in MMA that once you get knocked out real bad three times, you should probably hang it up. Like that's kind of when your brain has had enough and you're never really going to be the person that you right. are. I hope for Jake Voracek that even if yeah. his career comes to an end, I hope that his quality of life is good. I hope that his, mm-hmm. um, his brain is okay to live life. Um, even if, you know, he's not able to play hockey, Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that he is making the correct responsible decisions about how to prolong his uh, livelihood, his his conscious life, as it were. Well, yeah. Well, we know we know how this stuff typically goes yeah. like and, I, and I'm not talking about like because you're right about the livelihood and all yeah. that type of stuff. But we know how this stuff goes. 
if this is the end for him and his playing career is over, somebody's waiting somewhere with a job in hand. Like, hey, you can help us in some way, shape, or form. If and, not, if not in North America, he'll go oh, back to oh, Czechia and just be a hero. To be honest, I had thought I had thought that because, like, he's the type of guy who I can see taking the Yager route and owning a team over there. I agree, and because he's built up enough of a reputation as one of those players. You got to remember something about him too. The global series thing was really relatively new when they went over and played there. And then one and of the reasons they went over was hero. for him, right? And he's an absolute hero yep. when you go into his home country. And I'm just, I'm just really annoyed we never got to hear hear Jake Voracek and John Tortorella interact at a press conference because they would have been, they would have been so good together. Those two, their mutual hatred for the media. <laughs> God, Sam Carcitti would never say another word again. <laughs> Anywho, um, <laughs> Jake, we wish you the best. You're, you're. I don't know if you're a, an NHL Hall of Famer or a Hockey Hall of Famer. You are 100 percent a Flyers Hall of Famer. Well, either way, yeah, we definitely do wish Jake the best, and it's yes. it's tough. You know, it's tough to see things like this. I mean, there's a lot of stories like this that go around anymore, where it's guys who get hurt and it's 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 threatening and, careers, and it's and, not good. If this is it for him, when he does officially hang it up, we'll do a little something a little bit more formal for him. Sure, I mean, I, well, you're going to be waiting for a while on that one. I know, no, I know. Right now, right now, his focus was maybe the end of the season. We'll see what happens. So I, I know, and I'm hoping he, and I'm hoping he has it in him. But sure. Anyway, back to Tage Thompson. Yeah. Um, Tage Thompson scored four goals in the first period, and the entire hockey world went, whoa, 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 what? The, the entire hockey world and, didn't pay attention to a game that was going on right in front of my very eyes. Right. We, were, we were more invested in what Tage Thompson was All doing. of a sudden, Buffalo Columbus became the hottest ticket in town. And everyone, uh, at the entire hockey world flipped over to that game and watched Tage Thompson score the fifth goal. Yep. Now, have you, I don't know if you've listened to the latest 31 thoughts. Nope. I'm sorry, 32 thoughts. Yes. Um, they had a discussion. Tage Thompson only played five shifts and roughly three minutes in the third period. Okay. Should he have played more to go record hunting? The record is seven. I don't, the problem is that stuff like that doesn't matter to people anymore. What matters more is longevity. What matters okay. more is what a guy can do for you well beyond a season. This, you know, the thing was, is that, and I even said this as the score got run up pretty early. It was five, nothing, six, like it was six, nothing at the end of the first, six nothing at was, the end of the first, it was right. five, nothing in the first 12, like 10 minutes of the game or something. Right. Yep. And I even said, this is a game straight out of the 1980s or something like a guy with four goals, you know, six goals in the first period. And then Columbus starts putting up a fight too, and gets two really quick, you know, to make it 6-2, and you're sitting there going, this really is a game out of the 1980s. We're going to get some crazy weird score. Well, and, like, you, start, and you start thinking about that uh, L.A.-Seattle game from just about a week and a half ago that ended up 9-8 yeah, like, in overtime. Like, But, but that, isn't it crazy that you can go off of that, that you consider and go, gee, when was the last time a team scored nine goals in a game? Oh, last week. Right. Like, it's, come on. That's the second one of the season. It's old hat. It's boring. We've seen it already. Exactly. Anyway, um... No, he's been incredible, and he's been he's really been incredible going back to last year. Obviously, oh, Tage Thompson found it. Whatever, it, thing I don't is, know if whatever, he found a demon to sell his soul to, or well, I'm going to tell you what part of the problem was right away. I can tell you what part of it was. So he played a little. He played briefly in St. Louis, where he was drafted, gets traded, and then has 
kind of an a, a, your typical startup year in Buffalo. Didn't get to play much at all in that 2020, like 2019-20 season. He had one NHL game total. He, to be honest, he was starting to look like a bust at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like he really was. And and similarly, now see now, but then everything gets screwed up, right? Like, and I say screwed up in the sense that you play that shortened 21 season, 56 games, same opponents. He has your average typical you get third dunk, line you numbers. You get dunked on by the Atlantic Divisional or by the Atlantic Divisional year. <laughs> no, that year they were that year they were in that East Div. It was right, East, right, right, so, right, right. But still, yeah, that year you're playing like like Buffalo struggled to beat the Flyers that year. The Flyers weren't very good, but they struggled to beat the Flyers. They were lose. Then you're playing the teams that actually were really good. So you're playing like the Islanders were still really good because the Islanders made a playoff run that year. The Rangers were getting better. Um, Boston's in that division at that point. Like you were getting beat up. Pittsburgh was still giving it. Washington was still getting like you were getting beat up on the regular. Oh, yeah. pretty obvious. So he had your typical third line numbers. And then last year, the explosion just starts. He has 38 goals, 38 goals, 68 points in 78 games. And he's going to top both of them this year at the pace he's on because they finally got rid of that dead weight bum. Jack Eichel. <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know, but he's like, He's 27 points shy of tying his career high from last year. Like, did Jack Eichel There's, just bully Tage Thompson? Did he just walk I in don't and nogi him every day? And, like, as soon as Jack left, Tage was like, all right, let's score some goals. Like, we're talking about a guy at this point who is more than definitely on pace based on where the season is, 50 and 100. Yep. He's easily on pace for that. And, yeah, he's got some games. Like, let's let's be clear. When he scores five in a game, he started the game at sixteen. That does <laughs> leap you up the, the... twenty one. But he was having a year going in anyway. Like his pace at sixteen was still good enough that he was going to be able to top his career high. Probably. If I told you before the season started that a Buffalo Saber would be top five in league scoring, would you have believed me? I wouldn't have believed you if you would have told me that half of what was in the top five is in there. That, that a Dallas Star, a Buffalo Saber, and a Vancouver Canuck are going to be in the top five of scoring, goal scoring, in between oh, the two. Okay. In between the two likely suspects, you know, I would have told you you're nuts. That that's at, like we're because we're getting closer and closer. We're not quite to the point where we're bordering on it yet, but we're getting closer to halfway. Yeah, we're about a third of the way. Right, and it's like. Like, if I scroll down beyond that top five and look at who's leading in goals, I'm not surprised by anybody at this point. Are you surprised by the fact uh, that Connor McDavid has 25 goals? No. And we can start getting into this. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's not what that means, but. No, I know. I know. Okay. But Connor McDavid, I'm, I'm not surprised he has 54 points through 28 games. I'm a little surprised he has 25 goals. If you I'm told not, me if you told me he had eighteen, I'd believe twenty five. Yeah, I'm not surprised though. It really actually doesn't surprise me at all. He, he's on pace. Let me go to Elite Prospects because Elite Prospects is actually great. I guess do I the, guess yeah. do the pacing for you. Okay, I guess the point you're trying to make, by the way, is that he, his career high is forty four from last year. So right, and he's on know. pace. He's on pace for sixty seventy three. 73 goals. Well, then, see, now, for, for fun, because I've been trying to do the pacing all along. and like He has said, 20. Elite Prospects just does it for you. He has 20, oh, I know. 25 I, so goals in 28 games. Nuts. Stupid. 
And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, uh, he's going to average, he's going to add 85 assists on average for a total of well, he's, he's at 158. He's at two points per game right now. Yeah, he's just a hair under he's two. At, like he's nearly at two, yeah. Um, 158 points. Are you freaking kidding me? By, by the way, Tage Thompson is on pace for, according to that elite prospects, on pace for 62 goals and 121 points. Yeah, and you expect that to trail off a little bit. Cause I, I understand. So then what the hell is Robertson on pace for? I got to go look that one up now because Robertson's got to be higher. He's got Robertson might be pushing a 70 as well. So I 67 goals and 123 points in an eight, in an 82 game season. Rope hints on the pace for 96 points, by the way. Is he? Uh, Good yeah. For him. 33, I, I 63. Know, do you want to know what I saw the other day that really was telling? Okay. If you're, if you want to talk Buffalo Sabres, Rasmus Dahlin is on pace for a hundred points right now. Yep. It's stupid. That's crazy. Rasmus Dahlin is I think he's like relevant in league scoring. Like he yeah, he's twenty he's tied with Rope Hens. He's twenty first in league scoring as a defenseman. By the way, William Car- or Eric Carlson is still seventh because he's a mutant. He has thirty seven points. Are we talking yeah, we are we talking about the part where like a guy who just takes over his whole team's, you know, performance because there's nobody else on that team that comes close to what he's done? No. Absolutely not. It's no. crazy. Okay. Uh speaking of Things that nobody else has done. Um, I don't know where I'm going to transition on that. Uh, four, four players are at 40 plus points. Already. No, that's that wasn't what that meant. Oh, is that not that? Okay. Nope. Four teams. Well, what did that mean? Four teams have 40 points in the standings. Oh, okay. Well, it out. It also works out that four players have at least 40 points. It's Tage Thompson, Jason Roberts, and Leon Drysdale. I didn't. I didn't realize that at that given moment. But sure. yeah, it just works out really well. Uh, Connor McDavid, by the way, also has an eight point lead in. Uh, Overall league points. He is eight points up on Leon Dreisaitl. So, okay, here's here's maybe an interesting way to transition this conversation a little bit. Yeah. The obvious answer is McDavid gets the heart then. Because the point totals <sighs> demand it, kind of, right? But but no. do you look no, but do you look at somebody like if Dallas makes a really strong playoff like playoff finish, or not playoff finish, but like standings Con- finish. Connor right? McDavid like, gets the Ted Lindsay. Sure. Jason, oh, well, Jason Robertson gets the heart. But that's what I'm saying. Like, does Robertson deserve more of a conversation here because of the fact that he quite literally is the most valuable to his team at this given moment? Quite frankly, I think Connor Hellebuck probably deserves the heart. But he he you're not. You're not. Vesna. Right. They're not going to give it to a goalie anytime soon. I don't think. No. Unless somebody just have... has a ridiculous season. Um. He would need really ridiculous number. Are you sure that he would get the Vesna? I mean, I assume so. Or does Linus Olmark have something to say about that right now? Uh, you know, I mean, Olmark is, is leading fair. in every category. That is fair. Um, Linus Olmark has been stellar for the Boston Bruins. They like, are I'm just like, and guess what? Hellebuck's not even like the top two in goals against and save percentage are not Connor Hellebuck okay. and either, and they're the same two players. Okay, it's Olmark and it's Ilya Samsonov. Ilya Samsonov, yeah. And Samsonov, okay. the only thing that's going to hurt Samsonov, and it's not going to hurt Olmark as much, I don't think, but we'll we'll see about that, is Samsonov is not playing near as much. Right. Well, Olmark, and, um, is, Olmark is getting a lot of the starts in Boston, though. I did also want to mention that Ilya Sorokin out of the island is uh, having a pretty good season, too. He's got some stupid numbers. Uh, yeah. 
But no, Spoken's so top five in both. Like okay, like this this just debunked my whole thing with Samsonov. If Samsonov is second in goals or in save percentage, and number four is Matt Murray, his like counterpart partner. Yeah, they might get the Jennings. Good for them. Yeah, they probably <laughs> that's fair. All right, four teams are above forty points. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs, who we were just briefly discussing there. Uh the New Jersey Devils, and the Boston Bruins. Three of those teams we've already talked about regularly. The reason I'm bringing it up is because Toronto's entered the conversation here. Toronto Pretty started started slow, started kind of an up-and-down team, some struggles here, some struggles there. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I'm a Steve Dangle fan, so I do end up kind of following the Leafs, not really so much because I care about the team, just because the guy I enjoy his content happens to talk about them a lot. Uh, so I do know kind of the season they've been having, and they're, that team is starting to click in a, in a pretty scary way. And it's one of those things in Toronto that it doesn't really matter until the playoffs start. But as far as the regular season goes, they're, they're getting that machine churning along pretty smoothly. Yeah, oh, for sure. And they are not going to be a bad team. And again, it's going to come down to the playoffs for them because they've proven that they can do it in the regular season. Um, want to have just want to have some fun with one of their players right now. Okay. Mitch Marner on the 22 game point streak or whatever say, it is. Okay. Then there's this word. Yeah. Well, it's 22. When was the last time he didn't have a point? Was do it against know, the it, flyers? No. Oh, okay. No, but do you, uh, know, do you know what date you have to go back to to figure out when the last time he was held without a point was? No, hit me. October 24th. I know. The entire month of December, every single game. He's like, yeah, I got a point. There's been maybe one game, like only one game that I can think of too, where he's like had to get it through like via an empty netter or something like that. He's had to really, really work for it. No, not even work for it where it's like they made it a point to make sure he got one, like to keep it going. For the most part, he's scoring or helping get like getting assists early enough in games that it just becomes another like it really actually isn't one of these cases of um, Mitch Mitch Marner has a 22 game point streak, which is a massive tie or eh, it's a tie for 20th. It's like a four or five guy tie for 20th uh, all time. Do you know what the record is? What for what? Sorry. Point streak. I was in the middle of looking it up to ask the same thing. So okay, I don't don't look, don't look. I already did. It was already. Oh, up. okay. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. <laughs> From October fifth, eighty three to January twenty seventh of eighty four, had a fifty one game point streak. Now, <laughs> as ridiculous, I know. Now, as ridiculous as that does sound, well, Marner's pl- t- Marner's tied at twenty two. Yeah, with a couple, like first of all, with a couple of other really, well, with with one. Absolutely outstanding hockey name on here. And then yeah. a couple two of- two legends and then maybe the best hockey name I've heard all week. Steve Eis- Steve Eisman, Danny Heatley, Danny- sure, Bron- whatever. And Bronco Horvath. Bronco Horvath. I don't I don't think he's related to Bo Horvath, but no, man. It's, it, that wasn't Horvath, it was Horvath. I know. So he's but not related. Man, that is a good one. But here's what I'm like, here's what I'm looking at when I look at this, okay? So they play Anaheim, the Rangers, and Washington this week. Three teams that are, well, one that's uh, one that's at the bottom of the standings. Washington's scuffling. We all we already talked about that, and the Rangers aren't exactly lighting it up either. Right. 
So that could be 20. If, if he can get like if he gets a point against Anaheim and that's 23, he's into a tie with Wayne Gretzky and Guy Lafleur. Is that good? That's pretty good. If he gets one against the Rangers and gets it to 24, there's another tie with a with a Gretzky streak. If he can get it to 25, he's into a tie for the 12th longest or like for 12th. Yeah. Like if he gets this thing to 28, he's in the top 10 all time. And 28 is now visible. If that's 23, 24, 25. Yeah, you're six away. Like you're getting there. It would be the first game after Christmas would be 28. Man, imagine going into the Christmas break with a 27-game point streak and the first game back. There's just so much pressure. As a matter of fact, do you want to know how historical we could get with this? Okay. If that St. Louis game on the 27th would be number 28 if he got that far with this, right? They play two more games, so literally the last game of 2022 would be number 30, and if he got it, he'd be just the – well. I want to make be careful of how I say this. He'd be this. It would be the sixth time that somebody got thirty. Wow. He'd be only the fourth player to do it. Wow. Because Gretzky did it three times. Now you know. Now that we're talking about this, the streak snaps on Tuesday against Anaheim, right? No, I can't see it snapping <laughs> against Anaheim. I'm a little concerned about like the Tampa game. That's fair. I'll admit that. Or, or I'm a All little right. concerned. I'm even a little concerned about the Ranger game because if it's Shesterkin. Like, like, listen, the one thing that this means that their team hasn't had in a long time is a game where they all get blanked. Yeah, that is fair. So, so John know, Gibson shut out on Tuesday. Nah, it won't be. It won't be a John Gibson shut out. That's for sure. But I might put a dollar on it. By the way, do you have any idea who the other two? If Gretzky's got three of the streaks that are over 30. Well, I, mean, I know Mario is one of them. OK, do you know who the other one is then? Is it, it Bob is a, Clark? No, it is a Hall of Famer, though. I don't, I don't know, know who this much. It's a Hall of Famer who didn't do it with the team that everybody knows him best for. How about that? Oh, oh, right. It was um, it was Matt Sundin with Quebec. Yes. Which, yes. but there's some irony to that, by the way, because the team everybody knows him the best for is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and, I know. Le- and a and a Leaf is challenging right now. It it, it, it correct me if I'm wrong. I want to make sure I, I have to double check this. He's already got the longest streak in team history, correct? I believe so. Yes. Yes, he does. Okay, I just want to make sure of that. All right, so since we Which were using... Remo- it's pretty remarkable. Um, where, are we, where are we at? We want to go to the Ovechkin stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I was going to transition. I thought we talked about Ovi. Um, well, we did, but we didn't mention like how he's at the... Because he scored know, two he's, goals. He's at 796. He's currently, what, six away from tying Gordy Howe? Seven away from passing? So I, I keep bridging the gap to the milestone. So I, yeah. I keep looking at 800 first because he'd only be the third player to get to 800. And then 802. And then, and then you have two... You know, Then you have the next goal after getting to 800 ties Gordy, and then the one after that passes him. So it, it he's going to score three goals in a row that are significant. Because he's going to go do it from, in a game, too. He's going he's gonna to get a hat trick. Bang, bang, bang. I don't know. I think. I mean, that would be pretty cool if he did, but it'd be pretty Ovi. Yeah, it would. The thing is, is though, Ovi, like, and this kind of goes back to the stuff we were talking about with some of the stats. Ovi doesn't have, you know, like many of those games this year. Like the two goal game against the Flyers this week, where both of them were into an empty net, are pretty much like some of the only. Like, I, I don't think he has many more multi-goal games than that. He has two against Vancouver, and I think he had maybe a, a, a two against Vancouver earlier in the year. That's it. So he's only got three multi-goal games all year. Right. Which really is not common. Like I No, think usually he's, in a, he's spreading it out much more than he Yeah, usually in a season he, ha, he has seven or eight of these minimum. 
usually more than that. Where he's sniffing around the hat trick by like the mid second period. When he had a stretch over the course of like late October and mid November, where I think in like this is eight games he scored in six of them. Wow. So six out of eight games he had goals, and then he cooled off for a while after that. Like he he had like just two goals or something or three goals in like the next seven or eight games. Yeah, it's it's starting to get weird because now that we're less than a hundred goals away, it's time to start that doing too. the it's time to start doing the when can he break the record game. So let's yeah. just let's just say uh, over the rest of the year he scores about thirty. That puts him at about forty five for the year. A little bit of a down tick from last year. Um, You're adding thirty to his total from now, right? Thirty so eight, more the rest of the way. So at eight twenty six. So you're talking about not next year, but the year after. So he'd be about 70 away. So if he does 40 or 50 again next year, then the year after that, you know, he'll come into the season about 20, 25 goals away, and he's 100% doing it. Yep. Assuming, of course, knock on wood, assuming he stays healthy and blah, 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 and he hasn't had too many major injuries. So hopefully he holds up, knock on wood. But... um I, I think he signed that four-year contract pretty um, pretty pointedly. Yeah. Because he negotiated that himself, and I think he said, all right, we're going to do four years, we're going to break the record, we're going to go play a year in Russia, and we're out. Actually, by the way, just just uh, as a fun side note, by the way, saw did see him walking toward the bus as we came out oh, of the Oh, nice, nice. All right. Fresh off of his two empty netters that day, and then one more later this week to get to uh, 796. You know, nothing, nothing like going from 793 to 796 and doing it all in the last two minutes of a game. Pretty good. Yeah. All that, right. That's why he's one of the best. When you have as many goals as he scored, you get a few empty netters too, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, so as we head towards the end of the show here, we're going to do a quick little update on the bottom feeders in the NHL. Um, before relevant do, information to Flyers fans, because right. you want to know. And before we do that, the reason why the Shane Wright update. Oh, we do need to do that. Okay, you you haven't seen his stats recently, right? Um, I know some things that have happened. I don't. But I, don't I, know I, was gonna say, I don't want you to look. He okay. has played twenty eight games in the NHL, right? The WHL. Connor Bedard. Oh, Connor Bedard. You said Shane Connor. Wright. Sorry. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I said Shane Wright. I meant Connor Bedard. Because I was going to say Shane Wright has Shane Wright nope. has scored like scored his first NHL goal this week too. Which yes. No. Congratulations, Shane Wright. No, I I'm sorry. I meant to be looking towards the future. This is what we're talking about the bottom feeders right. for. Everyone's oh, racing downwards. Everyone's racing down the down the standings to get this Connor Bedard kid. Let's talk about him. Sure. Twenty eight games in the WHL. Okay. How many goals? Trying to remember what he was at last week when we did this because that would help. Yes. They don't play a lot of games typically. So I'm going to say he maybe added, I think he was at 24 or 25 when we last talked. So I'm going to say he added like two and he's like at 26 or something. 27 goals in 28 games. Wow. 37 assists. So he's he has 20, so 27 and 37, you just he has said? 64 points in 28. In 28 games? games? He's on pace to play 66 games. He'll have uh, he's he's on pace for 64 goals. Oh my goodness. I just looked up the I now I just saw the numbers. Go ahead. 87 assists, 151 point pace in a 66 game season. Now, I'm I have one question about this. Is this going to change? Like is the projection going to change for the part where he disappears for World Juniors because it's coming? 
I don't. Yeah, that projection. I believe that projection will change because I, he's not going to play sixty six games for in the WHL when he has to play. In correct. World games. Correct. Um, also, I think that projection is going to change because I don't necessarily know if he's going to finish the season with Regina. Um, there has been a lot of talk about him getting traded to somebody who can actually go, like who's actually got a shot at the Memorial Cup. Uh, Regina is not very good this year. Um, so there's been a, somehow with a guy who scores that much. Well, there's been a lot of talk of potentially trading him to, I believe it's Brandon um, because Brandon really? has, because Brandon has the Memorial cup. So they're definitely going. Uh, and the idea is to get him some Memorial cup experience. So okay. trading him to the team that's guaranteed to get an invite. Pretty good bet. I, I mean, I get you. Plus, uh, Regina can set themselves up because the haul they'll get for Connor Bedard, by the way, viewers at home, listeners at home, if you ever want to see some ridiculous nonsense, go look up some CHL trades. So, okay. So, holy yeah, smokes. Have you, you've looked, right? Like, you've seen guys go for, like, 17 picks, including four firsts and three seconds. And yep. the CHL trades are lunacy. So It's amazing. So, interestingly enough, though, because you just said something about the thought of trading him to Brandon. Brandon's actually worse this year than Regina is. Yeah, but they're guaranteed a they're Memorial. guaranteed a spot. Yep. I get it. Now, if you, were, now if you were to switch and try to get him to a contender, well, it's also one of those things. Is Brandon worse than Regina if Regina didn't have Connor Bedard? Well, probably that's fair. Right, like if you took them both off, like if you took Connor Bedard out of the league, which team is worse? But I yeah, get what I you're know. saying. Like um, I'm, I'm just out of curiosity. Would you, you know, consider moving him to a team that you know is gonna, you know, is gonna get there by talent level, and he just enhances their talent? Like the idea is to literally get him Memorial Cup experience because he has not played in the Memorial Cup yet in his CHL. Well, and we, and we all, yeah, and we it's all last year. We assume right, I said, we all know he's not playing next year. So right, we all assume it's his last year because the kid is. Uh, now here's a, now here's a, yeah well here's a question because he, now he's gonna get the experience this year so I guess that makes a difference but there's a lot of guys this year like Shane Wright's going to play for Canada and World Juniors because he's right. still eligible right and there's a handful of others that are going as well like there's a kid from Arizona you've seen a lot going, of that this year Genter's going um who's the other kid um Brant Clark from LA okay is going too. Right. And Canada's getting like Canada's gonna have a really formidable roster because in addition to the fact that Bedard qualifies as a Canadian player as well, they're gonna get Shane Wright back for this. They're gonna get a couple Brent, guys with, you know, heavy, Clark, with decent NHL Dylan Genster, and all these players who are NHL level like they, they, they have three players with an with NHL experience that are coming back and are gonna be better than a lot of the competition because they've played there. Right. Stop stop the presses. Canada is gonna be good at world juniors. Well, and the U.S. will be too, though. The U.S. is going to have because because Logan Cooley's going to play. Is Brant uh, Clark an American? Um, I thought he might be a. Like, I don't know. I'll have to check. I thought he was. Uh, no, he is Canadian. He is Canadian. I'm sorry. I was going to say I, I saw that he was reporting for that. Well, yes. Listen, I do so much scouting for my sim leagues that I I get players' nationalities mixed mixed up sometimes. Uh, by the way, another another player who is or who will be playing for the U.S. team more than likely. Is one uh one Flyers prospect Cutter Gautier? We love that. 
Have you seen the numbers for him this year, by the way, as a freshman? Uh, no, no. It doesn't sound as impressive as Bedard's numbers because NCAA plays, numbers are low. Well, because Bedard has played twice the number of games. So let's right. be clear. In 13 games as a freshman at Boston College, which, by the way, Boston College is not like a top they're, program they're a- right now. They're like in the middle. Right. 10 goals, 16 points. Pretty solid. We love that. He just had recently a two goal, two assist game that was like. Incredible. And and he's about to head off to participate, not only participate in the U.S. camp, but he's going to end up being probably a top liner for Team USA and World Junior. So you're going to want to watch. Like, he's going to play with Cooley and then. And I'm not sure exactly you know, how old he is, but I'm also willing to bet that if Bobby Brink was eligible and healthy, he'd probably be there, too. Um, I think Brink is not eligible anymore. I oh, Brink I thought 20. he had one more year left. Okay, no, I think Brink turned 20. So. Fair enough. All right, let's talk about these uh, bottom tier teams real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Try to yeah, keep this so a little and, bit shorter. So, what, what do you? So, where, where do you want to go from like this angle? Because Anaheim really is the uh, the team that we have to be like everybody's going to be watching for when it comes to the Flyers because they are the team that is farthest behind and doesn't seem like they're showing any signs of getting anywhere closer. Yeah, quite frankly, I think the Flyers are going to have a hard time cracking the bottom two. Um, um, I, can, I can see Columbus scratching together enough wins to climb above them. I can see Arizona scratching together. You know, same with San Jose, just because there is some talent on those rosters. San Jose is only a point back as we talk about this right now, which right. is easy enough to overcome. And if Ari- many games they've played, and I if Arizona that. beats the Flyers in regulation tonight, they're at twenty-two. Well, the Flyers are only at twenty-four, and Arizona's well, got two this games. Well, this hand. is another thing about this. Arizona has three games in hand on the Flyers, and also plays them twice for the rest of the year. Chicago has two games in hand, like even for being six points behind, which we're saying is a threat. Don't get me wrong. They're two. They're, they've got two games in hand and two head to heads against the Flyers. The problem is Chicago and Anaheim. And I kind of look at those as the, the kind of the bottom tier by a long shot is sure. Chicago has some talent left. They're still holding on to ta- uh, Taves and Kane, but I can't imagine they're both going to be there, you know, after the trade deadline. And then I expect Anaheim is going to cut everything they can loose at the trade deadline also. No, um, I see. I actually don't think that's the case. Oh, you don't think so? Um, I'm not Anaheim, really sure what Anaheim's doing, to be honest with you. Because, like, well, Son- Sonny Milano? Why, why did we let him walk? Well, why did we let him walk is what I'm saying. Like, I, don't, I just don't know where that franchise is going. Well, they, they've got some guys hurt that I don't think they expected to be hurt. That is fair. Um. Like they don't need to do a lot here because they've like Anaheim's already got this year. They've got their first rounder, which is obviously going to be in play for the top spot. They've got three second rounders. Um, now, granted, they're not going to they. There's a good chance they they won't be great second rounders because you're talking about one from Boston, one from Colorado. So they might be lower tier second rounders, closer to the third round. Then they've got Minnesota's third round pick as well. The only pick they don't have is their own seventh, which like oh. at that point, who cares? But um. Yeah, you want me to try to pinpoint who could go? I can't see like Troy Terry's an RFA, and so is Trevor Zegers, but they're part of the future. They're not going to do that. They're... If they cut um, them loose, everyone would they should potenti- get fired. Would they potentially part ways with like with a Max Comtois, who's an RFA after this year? Maybe. Maybe. Um. Well, okay. So here's where you might see some trades happen then. Um, all the, the, the following defensemen are all UFAs after this year, John Klingberg, Kevin Shattenkirk, Dmitry Kulikov, 
and like you could eat salary on Shattenkirk and Klingberg. Like Klingberg eat, signed there to get traded at the deadline. But you could eat half of his salary and probably get back maybe another second, to be honest. I'm convinced John Klingberg signed there so he could spend the first six months of the season in Anaheim, hang out and in I, Southern and, California, and, I, and, I, and, I could and get see, traded um, at the deadline. And I could see Shattenkirk getting traded. Now, both both guys have modified no moves. And Shattenkirk's um, been there for a couple of years, so I think that's they're going to do him right. And Well, they're probably just going to ship him, to be honest. So, okay, so Shattenkirk, ha- both these guys are movable. Right. Klingberg has a full no move clause through January, like through the through New Year's, and then he's got a ten team no trade clause until the end of the year. So he the signed deadline, there to get gonna, traded. Okay, that's fine. Shattenkirk's got a twelve team no trade list. The the ten team no move is the eight teams in Canada, Buffalo, and Arizona. Maybe I don't know. Probably. Um, I'm willing to bet that's a lot of people's ten team trade list. By the way. Now these there's two other guys on the team that have one more year left after this year that I wonder if they're movable because again if the cap goes up maybe somebody says sure I'll do this. Well, uh, Anaheim's also a-, a bad team with plenty of money. They can also eat salary for a year and a half without too Probably. Many well, yes and no. Because you're right they have money. But if you're talking about for next year, they have to pay Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras. That's fair. And both but, guys yeah, are going to are going to they're not going to be but they're not going to be players for free agency. They're not going to be no, they're not any but, big but, names like no their money but, is tied up. No, but both guys are going to go from making a combined two point three million dollars, fifteen to twenty million dollars. I know. I wouldn't go that far, but I was going to say both guys are going to make something around the range of six. I would say six to seven each. So you're talking I, yeah, about fifteen, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Trevor Zegers nine by eight. Oh, eight, eight years or by eight nine, by no, eight by nine. Sorry. Um, maybe I don't know. Um, Cause, possible. Cause, well, and they might. You know what? Honestly. They could even go eight by ten on them because you're going to have to overpay people to stay there because they're so bad. Yeah, but I think Zegers likes being there. And if I look at the injured reserve, for example, by the way, like injured reserve right now includes Jamie Drysdale, who's 20 years old and looks like a stud defense in the future. And Isaac Lundestrom, who is a 23 year old, who, again, is right now on the cheap and looks like he's a guy to build around as well. Two like, guys, two guys under twenty five who aren't established players. Oh, and they, by the they way, don't turn your team from what what it is into. Oh, a and by team. the way, two million dollars of dead cap comes off the books after this year because they yes they were still paying Corey Perry. Okay, um, I did know that. But so this that'll is, help this, it up too. But this is the last year of it apparently. So they've pay, like they're paying it, and then so that the, the, right now, if you go off of the guys who are not signed, which I believe at the moment is there's a lot of them. Like within the organization, I mean, obviously, like out of their max contracts, like they have 46 contracts right now. They'd have 25 that are signed through next year, and they'd have 43 million dollars, more than 43 million dollars in cap space with the with the cap raise of a million dollars next year. Yeah, they're gonna be okay. <laughs> it's it, and then the year after when it goes to whatever, it goes up another. Well, it goes up another four million after next year. And then four and a half mil after that, and you're going to be at 92 million come 2025, 26. So just something to keep in mind. But they're a team that I can't 
wrap my head around in terms of I don't think you start tearing it. That, that's why I said, do you go so far as to with one year left, say we'll trade a an no, Adam Enrique, an Adam Enrique or a Jakob Silverberg? Oh, I think they would trade those two guys. Right, that's what I mean. Like yeah. I'm saying, because because I don't like you didn't sign Ryan Strom to trade him. Like you have, he's got too money, too much term left to trade him. I can't see them. I mean, Vitrano's an interesting case because the money's not bad. Right. Like $3.65 million when the cap's going up by a million and you only have two years of term left is not exactly untradeable. Right. And then you've got the, then you've got the RFAs. Comtois is an RFA after this year. Troy Terry. Zegris. Mason McTavish is on his ELC for the next two years after this, and he's a really good player. Yeah, they've been doing a great job of drafting and kind of bringing guys up slowly. And Right. And then defensively. They're again, doing it right. Defensively, Drysdale's an RFA after this year, too, that you're going to have to sign. But you probably get the benefit of his injury right now is taking him off the ice, so you're not going to overpay him. Like he'll, he'll, he'll sign a three-year deal that keeps him under either under club control or for the rest of his RFA years or something. Yeah, they, they've done an interesting job in the sense that um, Anaheim is just now bottoming out when it comes to like the standings and the statistics and all that. Sure. But they've got a lot of their rebuild in place already. Like they've got a lot of their young, you know, their new young core in place. They've done a great job drafting. You mentioned Drysdale. You mentioned, you know, all these guys. Uh, that, that's, that's why it's a it's an embarrassment of riches if they get Bedard. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, an embar- it's an embarrassment of riches if they finish in the bot if it, in the last spot and guarantee themselves either Bedard, Fantilli, yeah. or Mishkov. Like, yep, and they are one of the teams the Flyers are competing with, and I think that's a good place to wrap us up. So yeah, I mean, if, they if, they are yeah. the number one they are the number one competitor. I'm just, in my book. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm what I'm saying is, is I'm less threatened by San Jose, Arizona, Columbus than I am Chicago and Anaheim, and yet that's fair. And yet those two teams have four games against the Flyers combined that certainly, I mean, like this is, this is what we're talking about with the game. that's tonight to begin with, with the Sunday night game in Arizona is this is where you find out like part of the difference between the Flyers picking ahead of Arizona and not last year was that they won both games against Arizona when it came time to play the head to head. Right. That's the same situation right now. And Arizona is a tough little team for what, you know, by the way, are you as interested as I am in watching a game that's in, in yes. a 5,000-seat arena and how it's televised? Because I sure I, am. The other night, the Bruins were there, and I, I turned it on at the start of the broadcast, and Jack Edwards made no less than three jokes about it pregame. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a whole other story. I assume it was more during – yeah, we're not going to talk about Jack Edwards' jokes. But um, All right. That's a good place to wrap it. We will be back next week to talk about the small arena experience in Arizona. We will have three more games to talk about. We'll have a big old show next week with four games, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a look ahead. And that will be our, I think that's our last show before the holidays, right? Yep. So, all right, make sure you come back one last show before the holidays. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. You can find us anywhere you find your podcast. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkphilly.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's just about going to do it. Um, We're looking for four losses this week. That's, (laughs) That's the story. All right. And until then, until next week, we'll see you guys.